Hey folks, welcome to e-commerce 360. Today we have Ranjan Roy, who is the VP of strategy at Adomi. Adomi is a women's laundry company based out of New York. Hey Ranjan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Ranjan, let us get started with the brand story, which we usually start off with. How did uh, it all start and uh, what has been the transformation since the time of inception in 2011? It has been like over 10 years now. How has the, uh, what has been the phases of transformation in uh, Adormi and its marketing strategies? Yep, so Adormi was launched uh, 2011 as a direct-to-consumer women's wear brand selling bras and lingerie. The, stra- the plan really was uh, going after Victoria's Secret. There was a huge gap in the market where almost no one was selling online for bras and lingerie in the category. And it was also a category where the in-store experience actually had one of the highest unsatisfactory rates in terms of it being uncomfortable and women wanting more privacy around how they shopped. So our founder, Morgan, he was at Harvard Business School, came up with the business plan, raised money and launched the business in 2011. Um, things have grown very, very well since then. In the past decade, we've expanded to a number of different categories, sleepwear, loungewear, swimwear. Um, and our, our goal really is to be able to serve a woman at every stage of their life, being able to serve all different types of products. We've introduced period panties. We even have introduced a line of clothing around uh, helping you regulate menopausal hot flushes. Um, so, so really trying to answer every kind of different problem a woman might have or need. But a big thing too is we've really always focused on using technology to help build out the other functions within our organization, our marketing functions, logistic functions. We built our own warehouse and logistics center. There's a great deal of automation involved. And that's as a brand of our size, especially when we built it in 2017, it was considered a little crazy and considered, you know, to build your own warehouse with robots and everything. Um, but we really believe technology is the differentiator and driver of every, even e-commerce business, even a fashion brand. That's amazing. So let's back it up here a little bit. Uh, so let's talk about inclusivity and uh, sustainability that uh, the points that, been, that you were making earlier. So you have recently collaborated with Mars, which is one of the world's leading manufacturers of laundry and activewear uh, for creating sustainable products. Um, so what are your thoughts on sustainability? And I'm assuming that, you know, a lot of brands are coming out uh, with, you know, informing their customers about how sustainably they are uh, sourcing their products. Um, do you think it, it's become a kind of a necessity uh, in this era? Yep, that's a great question. And and for us, it, w- what we always like to make very clear is we did not start as a sustainable brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. Patagonia or Stella McCartney or brands that really launched with sustainability at their core, that was not us. What we did prove was we were actually the first brand to offer extended and plus sizing across Mm -hmm. all our categories for lingerie, which no one did. And we really have driven the market in the United States where now it's just kind of a necessity, as you say, to have plus sizing, whether it's corsets, bras, push-ups, bralettes, any category within lingerie. We want to do the same with sustainability. And, Mm -hmm. And what we have seen, the biggest two gaps in the markets are one, 
again, plus size products, majority of the more sustainable brands, especially in the women's wear space, are not geared towards plus sizes. So that filling that gap, making it inclusive for all is very important, but just as important and this, we believe more than anything, it has to become affordable. Is sustainability and sustainable fashion has evolved in this way where it's a luxury item. It's it, and it, the understanding that it is expensive and it's going to be more expensive has been permeated the entire industry. But but to us, it does not. Yes, like a, a t-shirt that costs one dollar U.S. is probably not being made in an ethical and sustainable way. But it does also not. It also does not have to be a hundred times that price, fifty times the price. And we really believe that you know it is possible to deliver and we already we do not charge more for any of the sustainable products we produce and working with mass in sri lanka one of the world's leading most innovative uh, clothing manufacturers they've really shown us and helped us drive that you can incorporate recycled materials organic cotton and if you do it in a very cost efficient way if you're very smart about how you approach these problems you do not have to charge more. And I mean, maybe you you absorb some of the cost in your margins to not pass it on to the consumers. But but working with suppliers like that, it's really shown us that it's possible to deliver sustainable products in an affordable way. And we we really think, I mean, the world has to, especially the fashion industry, you know, has to change. And the problem is as long as sustainable fashion is only geared to this very specific group that dresses in a certain way and acts a certain way, it's, it's not going to make the change that we need to. Absolutely. I think uh, what you're saying is sustainable fashion is more like vegan, right? It's expensive and it's not affordable right now. So that's brilliant that you guys are bringing it out to more women, uh, making it more affordable. So um, there was this quote that I came across from Morgan. I'm just quoting uh, from one of his interview. Yeah, he states that no one has come close to understanding advertising the way we do. And we are now in the process of outpacing others in the space because we know how to spend money. I mean, that's, that's a very powerful quote um, because, you know, uh, first of all, like you mentioned, you are uh, offering the product at a very affordable cost. And, um, and you are almost dominating the U.S. market. So how are you uh, really cracking the channel to which you're spending money and what are your customer acquisition channels and strategies like? Yep. So, so one of the most important decisions that was probably made in the company history was back in 2015, 2016, we were growing very, very fast alongside a lot of other very kind of hyped direct-to-consumer brands. Mm -hmm. And instead of raising a giant round, we actually, Morgan drove the company and decided we, want, we became profitable. And in doing that, it really created this environment where we had to in, in be much, much more capital efficient, much, much more disciplined in the way we spent money. Mm -hmm. But we still spend plenty of money on digital advertising. We're a digital native brand. That is the environment that we've grown up on. We've from 2011, you know, we've, this is our playground. This is where we live. And um, so being as smart as possible, 
you leveraging and having a very good relationship with the platform so that every new tool that comes out, you have access to, you're ready to invest in. And most importantly, I guess the two most important things are one, having a mindset around experimentation, being ready to understand that we need to try everything because it's the state of marketing, I feel two decades ago is if you are a marketing leader, you knew how to buy TV, buy radio, buy print, and nothing changed for you know many years. Whereas now, every month, it seems like it keeps changing. There's a new platform. There's a new way. Even right now, the cost of acquisition across plat- digital platforms is skyrocketing. So managing to deal with that, if you're not smart about the way you approach digital marketing in that sense... I mean, you're going to get killed. And the other is using technology. Like we started incorporating machine learning and AI about three years ago as well into models around how we measure and uh, understand our digital marketing efforts, how we measure our ROI, you know, and building tools beyond just what Facebook dashboards provide you. Because to truly understand the efficiency of your marketing spend to build it in an efficient way. I mean, it's difficult and it has to be something that people obsess over, especially for smaller companies that we talk to and advise. There's this mentality that, you know, you sign up for Facebook, you budget X dollars to that you're going to spend. And when you don't see any magical ROI on like, week two, you just assume it just doesn't work the way you thought it would. Um, And I think like really developing a discipline around how to use these platforms and learning and experimenting is the most important thing you can do. So you mentioned uh, the high velocity experiments that you need to conduct to be, you know, to stay on top of the game, right? So, um, so how do you, you know, it's, it's very tough to actually, you know, conduct these experiments as well as stay efficient because you know that you're going to lose out money and at least, uh, you know, a few hundred campaigns. Um, how, what kind of metrics do you use to measure, you know, if you have to go with certain campaigns or certain channels or, um, you know, certain uh, themes, what kind of metrics are your North Star metrics? Yep. So customer lifetime value is still the North Star. So we actually offer three different ways to shop. Mm-hmm. One, the original uh, kind of like core part of the business was our VIP subscription model. You pay $39.95 a month, and then that enables you, it counts as a store credit and enables you special pricing and access to other perks. So subscription is in our DNA, has always been part of the business. So from a very early point, we could easily measure lifetime value that you know customers were by definition repeat shoppers versus you know trying to assign because a normal store where you know especially a physical store where you don't even know who's coming in it's nearly impossible in online commerce if if repeat customers are a my, tiny minority of your business customer lifetime value is again very difficult to attribute but as a subscription business that's always been the absolute core so trying to extend it try to expand it is always very important, but but for us, and I think this is very important for every brand, every e-commerce brand right now, is is especially with the new uh, tracking being blocked in iOS fourteen point five, Facebook acquisition costs rising, mm-hmm. brand and 
is going to become more and more important than ever. Repeat shopping is going to become more important than ever. Owned channels, more important than ever. So, so for us, one thing, we consider ourselves pretty good at, again, in, uh, generating repeat shopping. But from a brand perspective, we had never really measured it, our efforts in a very kind of like concrete way. And again, well, you know, we're a direct consumer brand where we understand the acquisition side of the business very, very well. But from branding side, so as we've been launching more branding efforts, we're so data obsessed. Sometimes it's a little difficult to, you know, when we're used to being able to see, measure to the exact fraction of a cent, the like efficiency of a campaign. And suddenly now there's vague notions of, you know, like doing post-up surveys and aided awareness surveys around trying to measure the effectiveness as a brand, but you don't, you know, the, the branding side measurement will never be as, granular as measurement around acquisition. So so that's definitely been a big change for us, which I think is it's a good one. And I think a lot of brands will have to go through it. Uh, so I think you already mentioned that, you know, repeat sales is, is a big, it's a huge part of your business. And I think you've already been ahead of everyone else, right? You already you started offering VIP membership um, in 2013, 2014, I think even when you started rolling out uh, the brand online. Um, so when you see other brands, um, you know, taking it slow when it comes to adopting a subscription sort of a model, what do you, what are your thoughts? Should they accelerate the process, have some sort of community building, have a loyalty subscription, or um, should it, you know, it, it, basically depends on the brand. It varies from one brand to another. What are your thoughts on that? So what actually drove the subscription model for us was mm -hmm. bras and lingerie are an incredibly difficult category to sell online because fit is so specific. Again, if you're selling t-shirts, legging, you know, like very loose items or generically fitting items, it, selling the idea of a subscription becomes a little more difficult because, you know, you can easily sell that to a customer. It most likely will be fine and they most likely will not send it back. For us, though, with, especially with bras, the idea that a customer on their first attempt at purchasing from you is going to get something that fits perfectly is very difficult, unlike any other product. So that really was why we started pushing this. Um at a very early point that, you know, but at the moment, if they get the right fit, they like you, you can have a customer for life. People, you know, really stick with one brand in the category. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I mean, the kind of subscriptionification of so many parts of the economy in the last three or four years, especially here in the U.S., is just dominant. It's the dominant trend. And it starts with digital only products in Netflix Amazon Prime, um, all these kind of uh, Spotify. So these kind of like digital products or services. Um, but now, I mean, Apple's recurring subscription revenue across any number of things, more clothing services have started. There's the entire birth of the kind of box, like Birchbox and all these other services. We actually launched Elite, which is a try-at-home shopping service, which is another subscription service where you actually receive between four to eight items each month. You keep what you want, send the rest back. That's the fastest growing unit in our business. 
Um, so we really, I, I believe strongly in online commerce of any sort, building some kind of subscription. Because again, acquiring customers is hard. And it there was this golden era in Facebook where the, it was the ad prices were just low enough. And, you know, they're like, they were growing fast enough. The big players, like the Unilevers of the world and stuff had not started heavily investing budget. So that golden age, an online brand that's savvy like us can get by, but, or any online brand, you can, you know, basically just launch and if you raise some money and are able to know how to use Facebook ads, well, you could build a brand pretty quickly. That I think is forever changed. So you need to have the same customers go back to you over and over again. That's great. So let me take a short detour here. We're going to talk about the challenges of shipping, getting your orders on time to your customers and the notifications. So how do you manage all this? Because I know that for any e-commerce brand, um, shipping is what constitutes a major part of branding. So how do you guys at Alomi manage um, shipping and notifications? Okay, so shipping... Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, we built our own logistics center back mm -hmm. in 2017. So we handled that part of the shipping process, but then handed off to a carrier, USPS, UPS, or FedEx here. Um, but so th the processing time of the order, getting it from person clicks checkout to it's in a box in the hands of FedEx, that's our responsibility. So again, during... Valentine's Day is our biggest uh, period of the year. Black Friday, Christmas is still pretty big as well. Like getting the processing time right is already difficult enough. And, you know, like really requires a lot of investment in time, resources and strategy. Um, but the last with since the pandemic hit, you know, we've had to be triply diligent about shipping and it's much, much more top of mind than ever before. And I mean, being extremely proactive in our communications to customers. Um, we actually last year, back in April, once like shipping snags started hitting a lot of the supply chain, we one of the first things we did was we rewrote every single customer communication because previously all the emails, your order is coming at this time, all the emails were done in a very cold factual tone because that's all anyone needed so we rewrote them and really tried to bring some human and empathy and to the tone of these emails so stuff like that really like and and i i would agree i think like shipping is one of those things that most e-commerce companies look at as like a purely never as a competitive advantage never as a touch point to really connect with the customer it's a thing that has to get done. And actually, if not, if there, if no one notices the shipping, and I actually think Amazon here really propagated this idea that if no one notices any part of the shipping and it just shows up at your door, that's the optimal customer experience. So everything has been built around trying to pretend there's it never happens, you know, yeah. like can we make every part of that time disappear? and it magically shows up at your door. But I think the pandemic really started to change that mentality for us. That's awesome. So you mentioned uh, Facebook ads a couple of times uh, 
earlier. So um, I also checked out your uh, TikTok post and FB post, and you have a million followers. I think over a million followers in FB and over 10k followers on TikTok, and almost all your posts have uh, you know one thing which is mostly which includes you know uh, inclusivity and body positivity, and they're uh, they're really amazing. So. How do you go about uh, leveraging um, micro-influencers or uh, do you just um, not use micro-influencers at all and you just uh, go after regular uh, women to uh, advertise for your post across these platforms? That's a, that's a great question because um, earlier when I said we like to try to use technology to kind of empower other functions of the business. So influencer marketing, one of the things we launched is an experiment that's been working really well. It's called creators. It's at creators.adormy.com. So the idea is, is that anyone can sign up. You connect your Instagram uh, account. Now you can connect your TikTok or YouTube accounts. We create very generalized high level campaigns, but leave the artistic direction to the creator or the micro-influencer. And this really, because what was happening was we had a lot of inbound interest from micro-influencers with five, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 followers who were just fans of our brand. And we wanted to try to work with all them, but just this, the, uh, actually the, the person who created this program, they called it email ping pong. And they, I said, we're data oriented. They like went through the last like 50 negotiations and each one required 11.7 emails is what like wow. back and forth just to, to, to negotiate like a hundred dollar or five hundred dollar contract which the the resource time required ended up potentially being more expensive than the contract itself so basically a creator can come sign up you get a campaign we will send you a product for that campaign or any choice of products and then the moment you post you put a specific hashtag that we will define and then you get a gift card automatically generated for you. And depending on like the type of work, it could be a varying amounts. And it's been an incredible way to really build a community, a large community of where we have about 3,400 people on the, on the, within the community creating who have created content at some point and doing that manually would have been, I mean, literally impossible unless we you know, hired hundreds of people managing this program. And, and we genuinely believe, we launched our first celebrity campaign with the musician BB Rexa last, or a few months ago, but we also strongly believe in the power of micro-influencers and small communities really kind of coming together. Uh, so I think this is the ideal time to ask, uh, when, what is the future aspirations for the brand? As far as your role is concerned, as well as far as you know, the larger picture, the bigger picture for the brand as such is concerned, what are the future aspirations? Yeah, we want, again, as I said, to be able to serve a woman at any stage of her life. We want to, so you know, we're going to be launching additional new kind of we call them sister brands. Um, and right now there's seven total. The goal is to get to ten or to twelve. Um, and really build kind of like a strong family of brands that all can work together and work off each other built on the same technological infrastructure and logistics infrastructure. 
and really be able to kind of like cross sell and work with customers so they can spend more time with the Adormi group and family. Um, and it really is to just continue to become, we hope the best online uh, fashion retailer there is. And that from a customer experience standpoint, you know, from a product standpoint, just from a shopping standpoint to serve the most customers possible in the best way possible. And, and, and we know in e-commerce, that's not easy. You know, there's, there's a lot of people who aren't in the business assume it's just uh, a lot of people in the business assume it's just, uh, you know, you put a product on a website and you do a little marketing and it sells itself. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot to it and a lot of pieces and we we're really trying to put them all together. And uh, one last question before we wrap up. Uh, so Adobe has been like one step ahead always with technology, with uh, adoption, uh, you know, to digital nativity, and also, you know, with the subscription and also leveraging on their micro influencers. What is this one advice you would actually provide to any upcoming e-commerce entrepreneurs uh, that they should, you know, instill in themselves some sort of skill set or talent or eye for detail uh, to actually grow and scale their brand? I, I actually think it's how you hire and partner. Because mm -hmm. one of the things is, I've seen over the last few years is there's this vision that's sold that you sitting by yourself in your living room can build a business. And don't get me wrong, sure there's plenty of people who have done this, but but really, and again, there are so many tools available now that you can launch a Shopify website, figure out Facebook ads, outsource all of your shipping. You can even build a drop shipping business and you know really do things on your own. But to me, the most important thing you can do is look, find the right designers, find the right engineers, find the right logistics specialists, like really develop those relationships. It, because if you want to build a business that grows, especially now, I, I really think having watched how things developed during the pandemic, and honestly, now with supply chain constraints and supply chain unpredictability, we're not going back to smooth sailing anytime, at least soon. So, so that ability to manage complexity, that ability to manage unpredictability, I think is going to become more and more of an important skill. And to do that, you need the right people, whether it's a big team or just a team, a network of freelancers and, you know, like other services, service providers. It's really building a trusted network of people who can teach you, who can help you grow. And remembering that this is not, there, there's this vision that you can just do this by yourself, but you can't. <laughs> like if you want to grow, it's it's tough and you need the right people around you. Well, that's, that's deep. And that's, I think, being very transparent. Build your network if you want to scale because complexities are coming, whether you like it or not. So that was great. Uh, thanks, Ranjan, uh, for coming on to our show and uh, letting us a little bit in insights into your um, store. It has been great speaking with you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for having me.